Welcome, everybody, to episode number 32 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter blog. So before I get started on the main topic of the episode, just wanted to cover a few things. Um, First, as we know, it's been kind of a rough couple months, at least for us here in the Metro Richmond Fire Service, uh, with the anniversaries of Brad Clark dying, uh, Kevin O'Connell from my fire department uh, committing suicide, and several other things uh, going on in the Metro Richmond area. Chief David Creasy dying uh, of cancer, all of those things. And as we're coming up on some national uh, tragedies as well, we've had some national tragedies. We had a firefighter dying, a lieutenant rather, dying in Worcester, and we're coming up on the anniversary of the Worcester Six on December 3rd. And of course, it's the holidays, so I, I just kind of, you know, not to get sensitive or anything like that, but make sure you check on your fellow firefighters, okay? This is a time of year where a lot of firefighters get depressed. They, you know, they, they get sad because their loved ones are gone or, or, or for whatever reason, you know, they just get depressed. The holidays can be a depressing time. It can be a glorious and a happy time but they can be a depressing time. So make sure, uh, my good friend Andy Starnes has told me this once, and I I really never thought about it until he put it into these words. And and it really like, it it slaps you in the face, especially when a guy such as Andy, who is such a good leader, such a good mentor, uh, tells you these things. He told me one time that we would never crawl past a fire in a, in a building, right? If we were moving down the hallway and we looked to our left and we saw fire, we would apply water to it or we would close the door to try to isolate it or we would do something. We would take some sort of action in order to, to you know, make an impact on that fire. But yet, our brothers and sisters are in our firehouses and they are burning up on the inside. They are reaching flashover and we walk past them every day. We don't turn that proverbial hose line on them. And that's a problem. I've said this many times before. I was not ready for the part of being an officer, of having a grown man sit across the desk from me and start crying when we were talking about his performance. I wasn't ready for that. Thankfully, though, I did the best that I could. I certainly wasn't perfect. But I did the best that I could to try to help that guy. And so that's all I'm asking. And I think that's all anybody wants us to do out there is just do your best. Do the best that you can. No one's asking you to be a psychologist. No one's asking you to be a psychiatrist. No one's asking you to be these things. But at least just but what they are asking you to do is give a, is give a crap. Try and be there. That's it. Try and be there. And you're not always going to be perfect. You're, you're, you're not always going to you know say the right thing or even have the right solution or the right answer. But... A lot of people appreciate the effort. Most people appreciate the effort. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get started into the initial topic of the episode, which is going to be on you know, kind of the actions that a company officer should take as they're going to the scene, specifically talking about that initial scene size up and that brief initial report and what I think it should look like and why I think it should look like the, the way that I do is to... Is I want everybody to go to YouTube, and this is a video that someone sent me, uh, and it's a video entitled, Why I Quit the Fire Department, and it's by a YouTuber called Wrangler Star, and this guy in the video, it's about, it's about 23 minutes, 25 minutes, and he details the reasons why he quit the fire department. Now, I'll be honest, I sat down and watched the video the other day, and part of it made me a little angry, but a lot of it made sense. I'll be quite honest with you. This guy, and he's got great other videos, right? And I'm, and I'm not dissing him as a person. Uh, this guy didn't seem much like a firefighter in the first place. He did not seem like he had a heart for service, which is what I think is a critical piece to being a firefighter, especially in today's day and age where we're definitely getting more and more and more and more into the primary uh, medical care side of things, then we are extinguishing house fires. And you have to have a tremendous heart for service. Uh, trust me. The other day, 
when I had a bad experience on the ambulance, I had a moment of weakness where I was ready to go. You know what? This is not, I don't want to be in an in, in ALS provider anymore. I don't want to be a medic anymore. I don't want to ride this ambulance anymore. I want to quit and I want to go to a fire department that doesn't do EMS that, and I'll take less money to go do it. But after that initial anger, I got to thinking about, well, this person didn't really mean to do that. As a matter of fact, we were her only help in getting her the help that she did need. She had no other means of, of, of travel. She had no other means of help. We were it, man. If we didn't help her, there's nobody else. And that kind of made me feel a little better about it. Uh, because when people truly need help, we got to help them. I mean, a lot of these people have no other options. They have no other choice. They don't want to have to rely on us for help, but they have no other options. They have no other choice. So I definitely think that that's a part of it. But when you go back and watch this video again, why I quit the fire department by Wrangler star, he does bring up a lot of good points. And I would like to challenge every fire chief. And again, I don't know how many fire chiefs listen to this. I, I hope a lot do, um, but I, I, I don't know how many do, but I would like every fire chief to go watch that video, listen to the whole thing. Even if you don't agree, even if it makes you a little bit angry, because part of it made me angry too. Even if you don't agree, I think it is a roadmap on how we keep people in the fire service. We're not going to be able to make everything perfect, okay? Like if you think that your fire department or your fire chief is going to be perfect and he's always going to make the right decision, I think we're putting way too much pressure on these fire chiefs, okay? Because they have political, you know, uh, pressure coming from the top. They have all of these things that they have to deal with. They deal with unions. They deal with political stakeholders. They deal with all of this stuff, okay? So I'm not saying they're always going to make the right decision. I'm not saying they're perfect. I do have a pretty high expectation of my of, of a fire chief, especially of my fire chief and, and his administrative staff. I have a pretty high expectation of them. I want them to stay mission-focused. I want them to be excited that we... I want them to know that we've gone to a fire. And if they we did a good job, I want the fire chief to tell the guys, not through his intermediaries. The fire chief should be excited that we go to a fire and do a good job. Okay, the fire chief should be excited and the fire chief should have empathy because hopefully they've been there before. The fire chief should have empathy if we were up five times after midnight or if we have poor working conditions or if we got urinated on on a call. Okay, that should be, they should be empathetic. It shouldn't be get back in service as fast as you can and get back to work. The fire chief should not sacrifice the mission of the fire service for all these other competing priorities that are out there. So I do have that expectation of my fire chief, but I know that he's got constraints. He can only work within the confines of the county government, of the organizational structure, of all of those things. So I get that, and I think that's something that we need to understand. But I think this video will speak to a lot of firefighters and a lot of fire chiefs. There's a roadmap of what we should be doing to keep people in the fire service. Because this guy brings up a lot of good points. There's a lot of, you know, and again, I don't want to spoil the video, so I want you to go watch it and form your own opinions. But for me, when he was talking about a lot of these things, I'm like, yeah, why are we doing those things? Like, that's happening in the department that I work for. Why are we doing that? Why are we allowing that to happen? Why are we allowing this, you know, just under these guise of these politically correct terms? Why are we allowing some of these things to happen? Why are we getting away from our mission? Why are we doing, you know, and it's not everything, right? Like, I, I work for a great, great fire department. I, you know, I, we don't always get along. We don't always see eye to eye. And that's, that's life. I married my wife and we don't always see eye to eye on everything. We argue, okay? That's, that's just being humans, okay? But at the end of the day, I'm extremely ha happy and extremely proud to work where I work. But some of the things that this guy's highlighting in his video are things that have happened or are happening in my organization or fire department. Because you guys know I hate that word organization, especially when we're referencing the fire department. Because we're not an organization, we're a fire department, Okay? 
but I think everybody should go watch the video again, Why Quit the Fire Department by Wrangler Star. And I think it highlights a lot of things that that we need to fix. I think it highlights a lot of so issues with the people that we're getting these days in the fire service. And I think it highlights a roadmap to try to keep people. It, highlight, it, it, it shows some pitfalls that probably a lot of firefighters are afraid to bring up to their chain of command because they're of word of repercussions, they're word of backlash or anything like that. And this guy can lay it out because he's not a firefighter anymore. He's not in the fire service. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't work for this particular municipal fire service anymore. So he, he, he doesn't care. He, he can say what he has to say. And so I think it, it brings out a lot of points that people need to look at. So again, that's why I quit the fire department by Wrangler Star. Uh, take a look at that. Um, and also, of course, the Fireground Commander Conference, March 2020. Make sure you sign up for that. Go to EmbraceTheResistance.com and uh, sign up. It's going to be awesome. Got some great speakers. It's going to be one of the best ones we've done yet. Uh, we are the, the Ben Martin and uh, some other guys that help with the conference, Taylor Goodman, uh, myself, all these other guys are getting together. We're starting, to, we're starting to do all the social media guys are firing up. They're ramping everything up. We've got guys posting on Facebook, social media. We've got you know flyers going out. It, it's starting to come together, and it's an exciting time. So make sure you join us in Henrico, Virginia on uh, March 2020. It's going to be great. Go to EmbraceTheResistance.com. And I think there's still some early birds left, but there cannot be that many. Uh, you can still get this three days of lectures, lunch included every day, some socials on Monday and Tuesday after classes let out for $99. I dare you to find anything in the rest of the country that has that value for that price. I dare you. I don't think you're going to find it. Um, if you do, call Ben up and he might give you a discount. Okay, but uh, $99, three days of great lectures. Guys like Bobby Halton, Nick Martin, Steve Robertson, the Water Thieves, all these great guys are going to be coming to Henrager County, Virginia and giving the, spreading the message of good firemanship. So join us March 2020. And uh, that's all I got for the intro. Let's get on to the topic of the day of those initial company officer actions, specifically that brief initial report. Officers. Your primary job when riding the front seat is proper size up. Quick report and appropriate initial leadership and tactics. It is not just to blow the sirens, horns, and scream on the radio. And that's a quote from Billy Goldfeder. And if you don't know who Billy Goldfeder is, um, you need to crawl out from underneath the rock. That guy has been involved in a million things. He's been a fire chief, a company officer. He's, uh, he does firefightercloseCalls.com. So if you, if you need an education on who Billy Goldfeder is, then this is not the podcast. Uh, go look him up. You can use the Google Jedi. But he brings up a great point, and it's something that I've always... Uh, get questions about, and it's something when I teach in my acting officer uh, in, our, in my department's acting officer school, what we uh, what we deal with and what we talk about is how people can give that initial radio report, but yet still be that working supervisor because that's the situation that I am in, and I think that's the situation a lot of fire officers are in is that working supervisor role. You're riding with three people. And when I say three people, I mean a driver, an officer, and a firefighter. Or you're riding with less people. You're riding with two. Um, and you're having to do a ton of work. Because I can tell you, and, I, and I've said this before, just because we don't just because we don't have six people, it doesn't mean there's not six people's worth of work. So someone's got to do it. At a, the, the work of a fire doesn't change no matter how many people you bring to it. It just matters what you can do. So at every fire, we've got to establish a water supply. We've got to do a scene size up. We've got to stretch an attack line. We've got to search. We've got to vent. We've got to do all those things. We've got to overhaul. We've got to salvage. We've got to do all of those things. We've got to stretch a backup line. We have to have RIC. All of those things. And they got to be done. And it doesn't matter if you only bring two people to the fire or you're waiting on mutual aid or anything like that. It's stuff that has to be done no matter how many people you're showing up with. The fire does not care how many people you're showing up with. And be quite honest with you, the citizens don't care how many people you're showing up with. They just want you to help. They want you, they don't care if you've only got two, three, or six. 
They want you to get in there, save their possessions, save their loved ones, or, or whatever, right? They want you to fix their problem. They're not worried about the your union arguing with your city council over your staffing at that, at that moment, okay? After the fire, that's a great time to talk to them about, hey, this would have done something better, a little community education. We could have been better if we showed up on a rig with four people, not three, or six people, not two. Uh, you know, those are talks for afterward. Those are talks for political figureheads. Those are talks for your fire chief to go talk to your city board, your county managers, or whatever. That's not the time to talk about it or even be concerned about it when we arrive on scene. And so I know I'm in that position as well. I ride an engine with three people, and the way that we do business, I've talked about this on, on previous podcasts, the way that my fire department does business in the district that I'm in, I'm in a more rural area. Uh, of my county at this point. And so we have a tanker. We drop our third person off to bring the tanker to us. So we're taking two pieces of apparatus with three people. So that changes the game a little bit. Um, even with three people in a hydranet area, it kind of changes the game because I still have to be that working supervisor. But now I have to do even more. So a lot of times what I do once I arrive is and that tanker's coming up the driveway behind us or he stopped at the end of the driveway because we laid us three-inch line and they're going to supply us. Whatever the case may be, a lot of times I go ahead and stretch a line as the officer to the front door before I do my 360. Again, that way it doesn't delay. That way we're not delayed. But it changes the game. It even changes the game if you're arriving with that third person with you. Um, you have to do some of these things on the front end before you can do that and still maintain that work and supervisor stuff. So I want to really delve into this. I want to delve into this topic a little bit. And to me, it starts all the way back at FDIC, probably, I believe it was 2001. I don't remember who the person was teaching the class, but I sat through a class that was all about the initial on-scene report, the initial size-up. And, well, it was a great class. It was a great class, but it was clear that, to me at least, that maybe this technique was not going to work for me. It, it just didn't, it didn't jive with my experience to that time, which admittedly was, was only volunteer experience. Um, it just didn't jive with what I was seeing. It didn't jive, and, and, and I, but I, I learned from it. I took some lessons from it. I took bits and pieces of it that I liked, but it just seemed like, uh, it just wasn't going to work for me. And the biggest piece of it was is that it was very wordy and long-winded. I mean, this guy was wanting you to say a soliloquy from the front seat of the engine. And I think, I don't remember 100%, but I think this was a guy who showed up with five or six-man engines, at least four. So he had a little more time as the officer maybe to, to talk. But it was like, you know, communications engine one is on the scene of a 30 by 40 ordinary construction home with smoke and fire showing from side Alpha, Bravo, and Delta. Engine one is stretching an inch and three quarter hand line through the front door of side A with a two person crew. Captain so and so will be establishing the first street command. I mean, and it just kept going on and going on and going on. I mean, like, wow. And it was just really, really wordy. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to have time to say all of that. And then, it was, of course, as I got hired in a career fire department and I, you know, started riding the officer seat in, uh, in an acting capacity in my career departments and as a volunteer officer in my volunteer department. And then you get promoted and you just, it's just not, it just was not something that, that worked well for me, especially having to be the second person on the hose line. Because that's the reality. Or even as a truck company officer, right? Even as a truck company officer, which in a special service officer on a rescue company, you're doing you're doing work. Even if you have to do that size up, it's got to be quick. It's got to be fast. You got to do that because then you got to get to work. You don't have time to be uh, reciting Shakespeare on the front yard of a house. If you've got people, you've got time to do that. Uh, one of the fires that we that I ran, uh, one of my one of the last fires I ran 
in my volunteer department. I was riding the front seat, but we took five people to the fire. So I went in a command mode and I gave a really detailed initial on-scene report or brief initial report because I didn't have to worry about stretching the line. I didn't have to worry about all that other stuff. I had plenty of people. I had a guy driving and I had three other guys you know, three or four other guys to take the line inside. I mean, it was easy peasy. It was, I, I didn't even, you know, like I didn't even go in. I had stood in the front yard with my air pack on. They stretched the line up. The truck company came in. They searched. So we had like seven, eight guys on this fire. An ambulance showed up. They're my RIC. We're good, man. And it was a bedroom on fire. So, you know, but I was able to talk on the radio and give a better detailed size up or, or more comprehensive initial report because I had all those people. But on my daily life, in my daily operations as a fire officer, I don't have that luxury. I don't have those extra people that I can give those detailed soliloquy tile, uh, style size-ups. So I have to get down and dirty with, with it and get to work. That's the biggest thing. I'm a working supervisor. No sidewalk commanders. That's not what the fire ground needs, especially from its initial company officers. If you're on the initial alarm assignment, you should be going to work or at least putting yourself in a position where you can go to work. You shouldn't be standing on that sidewalk and speaking on the radio about nonsense, okay? And I'm a radio talker. I like to give good good updates on what my progress is on a fire, but it's, it's usually, it, I hope anyway, and maybe other people would disagree, but to me, it's all, I try to speak in relevant terms, all right, so let's get started with, with kind of getting into this a little bit. And I'm going to kind of go through my sequence. Okay, now granted, some of this is based on my own personal preference, but some of it is also based on department procedure, okay? Like, for example, my department is you better get a 360. If you don't get a 360, you don't want to hear it. You know, you're going to hear about it from the battalion chief. Okay, like you're going to hear about it. So somebody has got to get that 360. Now, for a residential structure, it's going to be that first two company officer. That's just what it is. Engine company officer is going to do that 360. Large structure, sometimes we do a motorized 360. Sometimes we do, uh, sometimes we'll maybe assign another company to do it, like especially on a fire alarm and I'm going with a, uh, with a special service company. I'll have them do a lap around a big Walmart or something like that, but you're going to get a 360. That may not be the deal in your fire department. I think that's a bad deal, and we've talked about that on why. Uh, I think the 360 is so important. I've done videos on why the 360 is important for search. I've done details of what I look for on the 360. If you go back and look at previous podcasts, I think that's a poor choice, but if that's your department policy, then follow your department policy. I, I certainly don't want you going to your fire chief and say, well, the guy on the Average Day podcast said that I shouldn't do that I should always do a 360, even though you told me I shouldn't. That's not what I'm saying. I'm giving you information, and it's kind of like uh, Ron Burgundy said, I'm throwing it out there. If you like it, you can keep it. If you don't like it, you can send it right back. That's fine. You can push delete on this podcast. You can push it on down the line. It's okay. I'm not offended by it. All right? So again, let's start at the very beginning. One of the first things, especially a short-staffed company officer should be doing, is one, you got to be out in your district, okay? You got to be out in your district. Try to get in as many buildings as you can. We go on EMS calls every day. People are inviting us into their home, okay? People are inviting us into their home. Take a look around. Once Meemaw is taken care of, take a look around. Look at the door. Look at the layout. Look at the construction type. Practice your stretch. Once you put once you put her in the ambulance and send her down the road, stretch a hose line to the front door. Or at minimum, measure the stretch. Talk about like estimate the stretch. Get out there and be like, hey, okay, so it looks like this is a 30-foot setback from the front yard. The house looks kind of tiny, so let's say 50 feet in the house. Probably only need 100 feet of hose to get everywhere I need in this house. Beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you like I said, if you're feeling froggy, Go ahead and jump and stretch that line. On our rigs, I always carry, with me personally, in my little bag of tricks, I carry a measuring wheel. So we'll measure that stretch. I'll start from the from the rig, and we'll measure it all the way to the door. We'll measure even the house, the length and width of the house, to see how much hose we would take to, to need to uh, to get every floor and, and, and whatever and whatnot. So that's that's fine. We also, on every rig in my department, we carry what we call a unit tagline. It's 200 feet of search rope, Nomex search rope, with knots in the rope every 25 feet. 
So you can use that search rope, take the carabiner, clip it to the rig, walk it to the front door. That'll give you a pretty good estimation of how much hose you're going to need to get around this building. Like, and it's easy. All, you don't have to pick up any hose. All you have to do is put the rope back in the bag. You're still in service. So no problem. So it's not like we're taking a rig out of service. One, we're already on an EMS call anyway, so we're already out of service. Take the extra 10 minutes if you want. Just drop that line in the yard. It's okay. It takes 10 minutes to do it. It, it, it really doesn't take a lot of extra time. If you're, a busy, if you're in a busy, busy house or you're, you know, you're short on units, just do the rope stretch. It's fine. Do, do the rope stretch or do the measuring wheel stretch. It's okay. But get out there in your buildings because that is going to lessen your action and reaction time when you actually get on scene. You're not going to have to say the construction type because you're already going to know it. You're going to say, man, I was in this house on an EMS call or I was in, you know, most neighborhoods, at least around here, have the same type of construction and have the same type of, of layout. In my neighborhood, we have three different types of houses. If you've been in one of those three, you've been in every house. If you've been in all three types of those houses, you've been in every house in my neighborhood. Sometimes the floor plans are flipped, but I can go into my neighbor's house, which is very similarly built to my house, and I could navigate that house no problem with my eyes closed because the floor plan is the exact same. The construction type is the exact same. So I know that it's a lightweight truss roof with gusset plates. I know that it's you know wood frame construction. I know that. I don't have to say it on the radio. Okay, and if we get into these houses enough and we get into these buildings enough, the other companies are going to know too. Invite them to come over. Invite them for the walkthrough. Kurt Isaacson says it all the time. We cancel people too much. Let them all come. Let them come. It's a good dress rehearsal. Let them come over there. They can even come code two if they want. You can reduce them to code two. Let them show up and then say, hey, come in the building real quick. You know, it was just food on the stove, but hey, come in the building real quick. This is an ordinary construction house, plaster lath, blah, 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 whatever. And now they know. And then you say, hey, look, this neighborhood's full of trial levels. How are they constructed? Well, stair in the middle, kitchen in the back, bedrooms at the top of the stairs. It's easy peasy, right? So we, that lessens the lead time, and it lessens what we have to say on the radio so we can get back to work. Okay, so get in those buildings and get out there and train. Train, 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 train. I can't say it enough. So now we've gotten the, the alarm, right? You got the, you know, holy smokes, you, you know, uh, they pulled the uh, slot machine and we came up sevens and it's your time to go do the Super Bowl, what we train for every day, right? Bing, 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 going out for a, a confirmed structure fire. You might even be able to see the column of smoke for, as you open the bay doors. Man, it's going to be a good day at work because we want to go to structure fires. We don't want anybody's ha uh, stuff to burn up, but if it's going to happen, we want it to happen when we're working. So that way we get to apply our craft and do what we've been, been we've signed up for is to actually to go help that person because we know that we are going to be able to make an impact on their fire and we're going to be able to save their stuff or them if that's a possibility. Ding, 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 you get it. You're going down, you pull out, the, you get all your gear on, you're going down the road. And I see this in a lot of size-up models. A lot of people wait to say their water supply plan until they get there. No. While you're responding, you're obviously looking it up in the map. Go ahead and key up the mic and tell them what your water supply plan is going to be, whatever it is. We're not getting into the, the layout debate or reverse out debate or tank water or booster backup. I don't, I don't care about any of that, right? Like you do you, okay? My fire department, we lay out a lot of the time. That's fine, but there are times when we don't. That's fine. It, I don't care about that. Do you, man? It, that, that's, that's neither here nor there. But whatever you do, make sure you practice it. Make sure everybody knows the terminology that you're talking about. I don't give two craps about laying, you know, whatever, man. Like, you do you. But I think you should tell everybody what that plan is while you're going there. That's one less thing to talk about on the radio. It's one less thing to talk about. So as you're going down the road, it would say something like engine 14 to my second due engine. There's a hydrant on the corner of first and second street. We're going to be doing a forward lay to the front of the building, pick up our hydrant and pump to us. Short, sweet, and to the point. Now, the next engine knows, hey, but we're going to be second due. Um, and a lot of times people debate on whether they call it because we get dispatched in a sequence, and I'm sure a lot of people get dispatched in a sequence. 
But sometimes things happen, right? Like that next engine doesn't get, you know, that gets caught up by a train or that, you know, so a lot of people will be like engine, engine one to engine two. There was like, give them that task specifically. I kind of like giving it to the second engine because that means if engine two doesn't show up second, that means engine, engine three, don't pass the hydrant, man. Engine three is like, oh, no, they gave that assignment to engine two. We're the third engine. No, no, no. You showed up second. Do the second, do the second dude's job. You see our high, you see our, our five-inch hose wrapped around that hydrant. Don't drive past it. Stop there. And then mark on scene with the radio and saying, hey, engine three, we showed up second. We've got the hydrant. Beautiful. But that's why I'm a, you know, some people give it specifically. I, I'm, again, do you. Make sure that you understand, but make sure the other companies know, man, just because I said engine one to engine two, if you show up in engine three and no one's at the hydrant yet, don't just drive past it. Pick up that line. He gave you that assignment. But it lets everybody know, that traffic lets everybody know, hey, this is my water supply plan. We're doing a Ford lay. And I want you to pump to us. It's pretty clear, pretty you know, concise. No problems there. Same thing if you don't do that. Hey, we're going straight to the scene. I want you to back down and reverse out. Okay, perfect. No problem there. That's no issue with that. But say it before you get there. That's one less thing you have to do once you get there. So then we've given our water supply plan. And also, as you're driving down the road, you've given that water supply plan. Make sure you give any special instructions. Okay, we've talked about a residential fire. And maybe that means if I lay out the hose, that may mean the truck company is going to have to go around the block. So tell them that. Engine one to truck one. We're laying out from this such and such hydrant at 1st and 2nd Street. We'll stop short and leave you the front of the building, go around the block. Nothing wrong with that. Or hey, approach from X. Approach from Willow Street. We'll leave you the front of the building. Or we'll go long and leave you the front of the building. Come from behind us. Any special instructions. You want an engine to take an FDC. You want an engine to take an FDC. Hey, engine one to my third due engine. Take the FDC on the back side of the structure or side Charlie of the structure. Any sort of special instructions that you're going to have. Again, that's one less thing you have to say once you arrive. That's one less instruction and that's one less obstacle in your way from you getting to work. Because again, you're that working supervisor. You've got to get in there. This is, this is not for guys that show up with six, seven people. This is not for you. This is for that 90% of the fire service that is going to work as an officer. So again, water supply and any special instructions while you're going to the call. While you're going to the call. One less obstacle from you getting to work. When you arrive, try to get as much of a view as you can as you're riding up. But I can tell you, I have a difficult time seeing things from the other side of the street. What I mean by that is, so like if the fire is on the left side of the street and I'm on the right side of the street riding in the right front seat, I have a real tough time like looking past my driver over the dog box, over his coat, you know, or what, of, the, of the incident, right? So even if I pull past and have a three-sided view, <laughs> I probably won't see anything. You know, I probably won't see anything. So that's, again, another reason why the 360 is important. But try to get as good a view as you can. Try to get as good a view as you can. So you're arriving on that scene. Boom, you try to get as good a view as you can. Give that initial on-scene report. And this is where, again, a lot of people get really wordy. Okay, a lot of people get really wordy. They give that example that I gave you at the very beginning, that soliloquy that, you know, we have an ordinary construction, three floors, you know, also, you know, 15 people hanging out of the, it, you know, it doesn't need to be like that, okay? It doesn't need to be like that. For me, and this is stuff that was taught to me, this is stuff that was, you know, given to me by my mentors, uh, you know, and stuff I've read, stuff I've, to me, that structure is either residential or commercial. It's small, medium, or large. 
and it's one, two, three, four, five, however many floors. Okay? So I can say something like, it can be as simple as this. Engine one is on scene. I have smoke showing from the first floor of a small residential occupancy. That's it. That's all you need. That right there tells you what you should need to know. They got smoke showing on the first floor from a small residential occupancy. Boom. Out the cab. You're out the cab. They should know. They should know that. They, they should now, now everybody comes like, man, they got smoke showing. Okay, cool. We're going to work. You shouldn't need to give a 20-minute dissertation on all the things that they're going to need. That should be enough. Hey, smoke showing, going to work. As you grow, you can start to add other things that don't take a lot of time. For example, uh, I like to add in the floors, and I try to add in the type of building that it is, okay? Uh, like, for example, if it's a school, I'll mark on scene with radio engine one is on scene of a large commercial school occupancy, nothing showing from side A. Captain Owens will be establishing the Laburnum Avenue command. Again, simple to the point. Everybody knows that I don't see anything from the front side of a large school. Boom. Nothing wrong with that. Same thing on a house. Radio engine one is on scene of a medium-sized, three-story residential structure. Nothing showing from side B or A. Captain Owens will be establishing the church road command. Boom. Now I'm out the cab. I'm out the cab. I'm going to my 360. I'm going to work. I'm going to my 360. And it's as simple as it can be. Again, you can get a little bit cuter if you want to. You can add certain things. You know, like if there's multiple floors, you can say the floors. If it's, you know, specific occupancy type, like if it's a Walmart, I'm probably going to say a Walmart or a Taco Bell or a big box store or, you know, a, a, a Sam's Club, anything that you have. I'll say if it's a hotel or motel. But it really doesn't have to be anything more creative or, or more in-depth than small, medium, or large, residential or commercial. And then what do you see? What do you see? And then after you say all that, say who's in command, and then get out. And then get out. Now, I know some people are going to say, like, well, you didn't say if it was a working fire or not. You didn't say what hose line you were pulling. I, I mean, we can add that stuff in, but to me, that's a little bit further down the line. So right after I give that BIR, that brief initial report, that's what a lot of people call, or initial scene size up that's supposed to paint that picture for everybody. Then I go to my 360. After I do my 360, that's when I announce my operational mode. Because I'm doing my 360. And we've talked about, if, you, if you're interested, uh, I talk about what I look for on a 360. I utilize the four Bs of the 360. Burning, bodies, bombs, and a basement. We're not going to get into that because I did a whole hour-long episode on, on 360s and why I think they're important and what I do and what I look for. So go back and listen to the 360 podcast. But I give that brief initial report, I'm out the cab. Out the cab, doing the 360. After the 360, radio report is, radio, 360 complete. I've got smoke and fire showing from side A, B, and smoke only from side Charlie. This is a working fire. I've got no occupant accountability. Rescue mode. Bang. No problem. Now we're, we're, we're going to work. We're going to work. If I want to add, we're stretching an inch and three quarter through the front door, I can do that, sure. But I shouldn't need to do that. I shouldn't need, I'm, that is my initial on-scene report and that 360, when I say rescue mode, they should understand and especially if you're a department, they should understand what that means. 
rescue mode in my fire department from an engine company perspective is that we're stretching the line and we're going to go put the fire out and we're going to search as we go, right? Like if we run into somebody on the way to the fire room, we're not going to just leave them, but they should know that we're going to try to put an impact. We're, we are stretching a line and entering this house to put out the fire as fast as possible and to put a hose line in between that fire and those victims. You're, if there's a terminology issue in your fire department, then that's fine. Like I said, I'm using this based on my fire service experience and my background in my fire department. Um, but if that's not what you're, if, if people in your fire department don't understand what their actions are going to be after that, let's have some training classes. Let's have a, you know, uh, one of the things that my department does that's great is we have what we call a standard of response coverage template. If it's a residential fire, everybody knows that engine one does this, two, three, and four. And so they know when it's a rescue mode, they know what that engine's going to do. They know when we, you know, when we say nothing's showing, they know what they should do. So it works out really great. And again, takes one less thing off that officer. He's not giving assignments out to 15 other people when he's trying to go to work because I need that guy, I need that officer to be a working supervisor. He's got to be in there to give progress reports from the inside. He's got a hump hose and we got to get to the seat of that fire as fast as possible. Period. End of story. So again, I get that BIR, I do that 360, use my four Bs, I announce my operational mode and I go to work. Then I go to work. And that's pretty standard across the board for most of the experiences that I've had in the fire service and specifically my fire department. Like that's, that's kind of like what's expected of a company officer when they arrive first. And again, it's not, is, is it perfect? No, uh, you know, the, you're not going to get that, that, you know, what uh, John Norman, that 13 point coal was wealth size up, but somebody does do that. Okay. And in fact, the company officer, that initial company officer, he's probably, he may be thinking Cole was wealth or Wallace was hot, but that's not pertinent to getting to work. When that first due command officer shows up, that's who's doing that Wallace was hot, Cole was wealth. He's looking at all those 13 points of size up. That first due company officer is looking at the critical information, trying to process it in a short time frame and make a decision so that we can make the best impact in the shortest amount of time. And a lot of that means get out of the cab and get to work. Okay, I see a lot of that. Um, and again, I did it the other night. We had a, a, a possible fire. The first due engine and truck get there right about the same right about the same time. They give a good, you know, nothing showing from the outside. Do a good 360, nothing showing from the outside. They're investigating. The truck company crests the front door, finds smoke in the house. Engine company stretches the line. When I got there, I see the line going across the front yard. I radio the first officer, take command from him, and then I gave a more detailed size up. It's a single story, single family residential structure. There's nothing showing from the outside, but there's report of smoke on the inside. Occupants are all out of the structure. Primary is negative because they had already done that. They can't, you know, kind of came, hey, the primary search is done. We've got an inch and three quarter line to the front door. This is not a working fire at this time. And we'll be holding the assignment. That's it. That's who gives that more detailed size up. It's that, that chief officer or that command officer coming for, coming, you know, and can get that big picture. He's seen that the hose is laid down the street. He sees that the, the line's been stretched across the yard. He's in a controlled environment, probably making this radio report from the seat of his car. No distractions, no, you know, nothing like that can position his, his, his uh, chief's car so that he can have a good view of the structure, pull out the command board, you know, do all those things that's critical uh, for command and control of these fires. He's the one doing that detailed size up. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with talking about that Wallace was hot or Cole was wealth or anything like that, but, but it's, it's not for that first due company officer. In fact, it's not for even like the fourth or fifth due company officer. It's for that chief officer, that command officer. It's kind of like the difference in Recio VS and, and Slicers. And I know like people went, oh my God, Slicers. Oh, I can't believe you just said Slicers. No, you know. I still, to this day, now initially when Slicers was put out, it was probably put out wrong. It was marketed wrong. You know, to, to you know, get over it. it. It was what it was. 
I think slicers is the absolute perfect acronym. If you're into acronyms, I think it's the perfect acronym for an engine company. Size up, locate the fire, you know, isolate the flow path, locate the fire, confine the fire, extinguish the fire. That's awesome. That's the exact perfect thing an engine company should be doing. And if you're having trouble remembering what to do at, at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, man, Slicers is a daggone good uh, acronym for you. As you're stretching the hose line down the hallway, oh shit, a person's in front of me. We should rescue them because that's an action of opportunity. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. And again, if you, if you never listen to the podcast again, that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss you as a listener, but I really do. But Slicers isn't for a chief. Slicers isn't for a truck company. Recio VS is for a chief. Recio VS is for a chief. That's what they should be worried about. Rescue and exposures and confinement and, you know, all those things. That's what the chief should be worried about. So again, don't get them confused. Wallace was hot is great, but it's not for the first two company officer. It's not for him. It's for that chief officer. And so I hope that highlights a little bit of, of what I like to do and why I do it the way that I do it. And again, it's all based on I've got to get to work as fast as I can. I've got to get in there, get to work as fast as I can because I am a working supervisor. I don't have time to be, to be discussing uh, you know, brick layouts and, 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 and all of those things uh, in the front yard because I've got to get in there to back up that guy on the hose line. I've got to get in there as that company officer to be able to give good reports with my thermal imaging camera to the chief that's coming. Like, hey, we've got water on the fire. Hey, we found a victim. Hey, you know, and, and even the first two truck, right? A lot of times we're not arriving at the same time. That first two engine's going to get there before the truck. So I'm humping this hose. I'm stretching this line. And when the truck comes and he crests through the door, I'm like, hey, we've already searched this hallway and the bedroom and the fire room. You know, don't start there. Start behind us. Like start in these two rooms right here. I can't do that from the outside. I can't do that from the outside. There's nobody else to do it. That guy on the nozzle, he's putting water on the fire, hopefully. So I've got to give a, I've got to have a system that I give that critical information but still allows me to get to work. And it doesn't mean you have to do exactly what I do. Create your own. Create your own based on the confines of what you have to work with. If you're getting two engines and a ladder truck to a house fire, create a system that allows you to get to work and give those critical instructions to those two engines and a, and a ladder truck. It's that simple. You can take this template. You cannot take this template. That's fine. But do something so that you get to work. Because that's the real key in any of this thing. Time is of the essence. Uh, Chief Howard Reinwalt says, when seconds count, we count seconds. Well, you don't have time to be given a Shakespeare-esque soliloquy you don't have time to be Cyrano, you know, talking to uh, talking to Roxanne uh, at the top of the, uh, you know, out there. You don't have time to be doing that. We don't have time to be dropping that 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 type of words on the radio. Short, sweet, to the point, clear, concise. Get in there and get to work. Period. End of story. So that's all I have for the topic of today. I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And if you feel like if you feel like it, of course, message me on social media. You can DM me on Twitter at Average Jake FF or uh, on the Instagram at the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Uh, you know, DM me. We can talk about it more. We can talk about it offline. I've put my phone number out here before on several podcasts: eight zero four six four one eighty three one zero. You can text me. You can call me. Uh, you know, if I don't recognize your number, you're probably going to have to leave a message, but I'll call you back. Anybody that's ever called me uh, knows that I've called them back if you leave me a message. Uh, and I text pretty regularly with a lot of listeners on the podcast. So if you want to discuss it, if you've got other suggestions, that's awesome. I love to learn as well. I'm a student of the fire service, and if I'm off base on something, man, I, 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 want, to, I want to have a discussion about it. A respectful discussion, but I want to have a discussion about it. Uh, with that being said, I couldn't do what I do, one, without you guys continually listen to the podcast. I've gotten so many great, you know, great bits of feedback, text messages, direct messages on social media about what you like, what you don't like about the podcast. And, and that's great. I can promise you, 
Um, you know, one person said that, you know, part of the reason most podcasts aren't successful is because they don't maintain a good schedule. Well, I'm not going to maintain a, a rigid schedule because I don't want to put out garbage. Okay. I can't tell you the amount of podcasts I have recorded and deleted because I didn't like what the, I didn't like how it sounded. I didn't like the, the, you know, the topic. Maybe it was just off. Maybe I was off that day. You can guarantee that if I hit publish on a podcast, I think it's at least a little bit worth your time. Okay. So I I don't want you to put garbage in your ears. I'm not going to create a podcast uh, that I don't think it's worthy of you listening to. Um, And that may mean you get one a month. That may mean some months you get two, but you can guarantee that I'm never going to put a podcast out that I don't like, that I don't think has got value to it, and I'm not just going to put content out to put content out. That's bullshit. And I don't think that, that us as the fire service should do that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you to Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes metal helmet fronts for your helmet. Those things are awesome. I wear one on my helmet every day. Go to taylorstins.com, get you a Taylor's Tins helmet front, and let them know that Average Jake sent you. Vanguard Safety Wear, they're the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Man, those things are made for work. They get better. I wear them every day at work. They get better every time I use them. Uh, the only thing I would warn you about those gloves is that you better go ahead and buy two because if they ever do wear out, you're going to want another pair. You're never going to want to go back to wearing other fire gloves after you wear them. I don't want to go back to wearing other fire gloves. So make sure you're getting those MK1 from Vanguard Safety Wear. You can go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFireCompany.com and you can get yourself a pair of MK1 fire gloves made for work. And lastly, you know how we always end these. Make sure you're spending one hour every day doing some sort of physical fitness, preparing physically for the job that we signed up to do. Make sure you're spending one hour every day in the library, watching a YouTube video, reading an article, listening to a podcast. There's a lot of great ones out there. Get involved in it. Get on Facebook. Get on the Engine Company Resurrection site. There's tons of information. But spend some time in the library educating yourself about our trade. And spend one hour a day doing some sort of hands-on training. Putting your hands on the tools that you need and the skills and the tactics that you need to be successful. It doesn't take a whole lot. If you look on Instagram the other day, we did a controlled rollover. We don't have a car at my firehouse that we can do that. Also, we used the kitchen table. Doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Get out there and do one hour of hands-on training every day. You do all those things. One hour in the gym, one hour in the library, one hour hands-on training. You do those things every shift, every time you go to the firehouse. You become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, but stay aggressive. Out.